Hello, friends. Have you noticed how much podcasts have grown in popularity over the past few years? We definitely have, and it's insane. We have an opportunity for your business to take advantage of the exponential growth of our podcast by advertising with us. We've been riding the podcast growth wave for a few years now, and we want you to take advantage of this too. We have unbeatable pricing and advertising packages, and we work with you on an individual basis to produce the most effective ad possible for our audience. If you would like to advertise with Forbidden Knowledge News, email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We look forward to all our new partnerships. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, my guest is Craig Campobasso. Before I bring him on, I want to tell you about my Patriot Supply. They are, of course, the experts in emergency preparedness. Uh, right now, if you haven't noticed, we're in an extremely critical time in our modern history and a very unsure future. It really wouldn't hurt to have an emergency food supply. Right now, you get $70 off a two-week supply and $100 off a four-week supply of their awesome food, and it stays good in storage for up to 25 years. Just visit preparewithfkn.com or click the link in the description to get your supply today. Please also subscribe to Forbidden Knowledge News on lbry.com. It's our official backup channel. We also have a brand new show called Beyond Classified, and it is exclusively on Rockfin, which is an amazing new uncensored platform for content creators. Uh, They already have some amazing content creators there already. Charlie Robinson, Sam Tripoli, a whole bunch of other great content creators. Um, The recent videos that YouTube just removed uh, from our channel that we put up the other day, they are now up on Rockfin. Uh, Any videos that will feature any of the topics now considered controversial uh, by YouTube and things that you can no longer discuss here, such as some important current events, (laughs) will no longer be featured here on YouTube and be exclusively on Rockfin. Uh, It'll also be available on all the podcast platforms. Uh, Forbidden Knowledge News has not yet been uh, censored on our podcast, so you can still get all of our great content there. Uh, So tonight, I want to welcome Craig Campobasso. He's an author and multiple award-winning filmmaker and Emmy-nominated casting director and was 15 when he started in the entertainment business. After experiencing a life-changing spiritual awakening at 26, he then wrote the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga book series. His passion is to write stories that provoke the reader to think, to raise their consciousness, to expand their mind about creation while still entertaining in the Hollywood tradition. He also directed, wrote, and produced the short film Stranger at the Pentagon, which was adapted from the popular UFO book authored by the late Dr. Frank E. Stranges. In September 2014, it won Best Science Film at the Burbank International Film Festival. In 2015, it won a Remy Award at the World Fest Houston International Film Festival for Best Sci-Fi Short. He has appeared on many radio talk shows as well as the History Channel and Ancient Aliens. His latest book is The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, The Ultimate Guide to Greys, Reptilians, Hybrids, and Nordics. Craig, welcome to Forbidden Knowledge News. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am very good. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm You're looking welcome. forward to tonight. Yeah. I know. Uh, tonight I'm, we're going to sure... be... Uh... Go ahead. What were no, you saying? I, I, no, I was just going to say, I'm sure your first question is, why is a casting director writing about aliens? Well, that that's in there. That's definitely in there. Okay, definitely. good. Yeah, I want to I wanna talk about um, definitely your new book, uh, The Extraterrestrial yeah. Species Almanac. I want to get into that, but not only that, uh, but your insights into the ET UFO phenomenon, past, present, and future, some of the things going on right now. Um, and right now we have
have more mainstream coverage of UFOs. We have Israeli former military officials claiming that there's a, a galactic federation. Um, and more and more people are coming out with their contact experiences, and it's becoming more mainstream, um, less woo-woo, more accepted in the mainstream culture. And I think we live in extremely interesting times when it comes to the UFO and ET phenomenon. Tonight, I really want to get it start started with what got you into uh, looking into this? Well, I, I actually began my casting career on Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories in the mid-80s. And at that time, I had a major spiritual awakening. And that awakening was um, uh, perpetrated or, or facilitated through master teachers that were not of this world. So I was taken through a couple year period where they took my consciousness and helped me to get it to a, a more advanced level so that I could write books about the universe and thus came forth the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga. So some of the some of the things that happened were um, I was fed golden light that ballooned in my body and woke up all of the cells in my body to to opening me up to the universe. Right. So it was. It's like if all of a sudden you're we're all dualistic on this planet. Right. We're not fully conscious like a lot of the extraterrestrial beings. So. We use maybe about 33 and a third of our brains. They have full 100% cognition and, um, and they can do marvelous things. So they, um, uh, after they fed me this light, I went through this experience for about eight months where all I did, everything I saw, I saw the beauty behind it and why it was created but from people to uh, everything that I saw or came in contact with. And I literally would sob every day, eight to 12 times for 10 to 15 minutes. And I'm not talking like a cry. I'm talking a very giant sob. They were happy sobs because I couldn't believe how unconnected I was before and how now I was becoming connected. Well, could you and take us you, back and tell us exactly like how, what exactly happened? Um, what was the experience that caused you to have these changes occur? Well, the, the very first part of the experience was three master teachers began visiting me in my dreams. Mind you, I wasn't even into science fiction. I, um, I was uh, just a regular guy working a regular job and uh, had no idea about extraterrestrials, about master teachers, about anything of this sort. And uh, one night, all of a sudden I have this dream and I'm standing before these three beings who are just glowing with love. And I remembered waking up and thinking, wow, that was a pretty cool dream that they were amazing. I mean, I, my whole body just felt warm and fuzzy um, from the experience. And this kept repeating for a couple of months. And then in the third month, I would wake up in the dream and realize that I was actually there in another place standing with them. And that went on for a couple of months. And then after, uh, then going into the fifth month, I would then have those two experiences. I would wake up, open my eyes, and they would be standing at the foot of my bed in their astral forms. So I realized that something was happening. I didn't know what it was. And then the next step was being back in their realm, being fed this light going through this, this eight-month period of connecting to the earth and to the universe again. And then the next, the next thing that they did is they ignited my light body. And that meant 
that I could astral travel off planet. So I started going off planet and visiting other worlds, seeing other beings, sitting in classrooms, um, that kind of thing. I could almost, once that happened several times, I could feel myself leaving even when I was conscious during the day. Like my astral, part of my astral self would go, learn, come back, store the information in my body. And then when I needed it, it would just come out naturally. So I went through um, a couple of years of, um, of moving towards becoming more fully, fully conscious. We're, we're all striving to be fully conscious. Um, but what, what ended up happening is I wrote a book that was about 400 pages long about all these experiences that I was having. And I went to Mount Shasta. And when I returned, uh, one of the master teachers, when, when I meditate, they would come in through, they come in through, uh, you get a click in the back of your neck. It goes like that. And then all of a sudden they appear on your inner eyelids. So it's just like, I'm looking at you right now, Chris. Uh, that's exactly how I saw them. And if they wanted to speak telepathically or however they did, sometimes they spoke with their voice, sometimes they spoke telepathically. So um, so the, the main master teacher said, what would you say if we told you you wrote that book for yourself? And I said, then I learned an awful lot about myself. And he said, now it's time to sit down and write the real book. And uh, he said, and when you sit down, I don't want you to um, edit. I don't want you to stop writing. I want you to write and write and write until you can't write anymore, right? So during this whole process, I lived in a one-bedroom apartment at the time. They, there became three portals from which their energy forms would come through. And one was in the living room. So since I didn't have an office, I had a typewriter one of those old IBMs um, on my kitchen table. So I would see their energy form. They would wake me up at 3 a.m., by the way, in the morning to start writing because they said the brain waves were um, calm then and it was easier to receive the information. So, um, so I would sit down at the typewriter. I could see the energy forms come through. And because their energy was so escalated, my body would just sit there and ring with chills for like 15 minutes. And then I would just sit and I would just handwrite and write and write and write until I couldn't write anymore. And that basically was the process. And then it graduated to um, uh, them coming and sharing themselves. So through telepathic, uh, each race has a diff, a lot of te telepathy, is I always thought was one way. You spoke mind to mind, but there are many other components to it. And it's different with different races as in the extraterrestrial species almanac. But primarily the awake beings, what they do is they share, not only when they're sharing the experience with you and, and telling you about it, you're actually visually seeing it in your mind's eye, but you are feeling the feelings that they felt and you are gleaming the, um, uh, the lessons learned that they learned and it almost becomes a part of you because we're all a part of each other, right? So it's really a beautiful thing, um, telepathic communication. Yeah, I've had uh, my own contact experience with telepathic communication, and it was uh, it was an instantaneous, uh, really, you know, beautiful, good feeling type of communication that I'd never felt before. So yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about there. That's now, as far good. as the 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 masters that you're talking about, um, what race or species would you say that these beings were? Well, two of them were Maramayams. They're actually in the extraterrestrial species almanac. And they are also a part of the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga. They are the beings from the great I am. 
And they, we're in, uh, as I say, we are in Super Universe 7. They are in Super Universe 1 on the first world created that cannot be duplicated or destroyed. So from there, everything comes out through all of create, that goes out into all of the creation as well. So it's, they're, they're very highly advanced. Um, uh, Would they you consider them angelic beings? Yeah, well, I think that I think they're even beyond celestial and angelic. They're uh, they, they're probably ultra angelic um, in in that respect. Um, but they are the most loving, caring um, beings, and uh, they taught me um, they taught me what the meaning of thought was. Like I never understood our emotions. I just knew when I got mad, I got mad, and when I, and when when uh, I got jealous, I got jealous, and when, when any emotion I experienced, I just experienced it. But I never thought about what it was and what it was doing for me, or the principles of thought that here we, you and I, are having a conversation. And so now we, we're thinking about, um, so now I'm having a thought. Um, so Chris, let's, let's, go, um, let's go have dinner, right? And so we're both thinking about that thought. And then either one of us can either terminate that thought, meaning, oh, I can't go to dinner because of blah, 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 COVID. <laughs> Or yeah, something something of that nature, and it, and it can be when you're getting down even into more esoteric, deeper issues and things like that. So um, so we have the power to create or destroy a thought, and no matter if it's positive or negative, we are responsible for it. And once I learned that, then I learned all about the emotions that they really are the universe's spiritual tool that help us quicken ourselves to get to use our heart instead of our mind. All of the beings, all of the extraterrestrials that are fully conscious are all heart-based. And that's why you see them picking lots of people that they make contact with that are heart-based, especially in uh, also in uh, South America, lots of contactees there. Yeah, that is very interesting. Now, yeah. these most of these beings, uh, you would say, are benevolent. You know, the ones that you've had contact with and you your almanac lists uh i don't know how many was it 80 something 82 82, 82. now there's, how many of these are actually interacting with humans and on a daily basis and you know or have regular um you know um interactions with humans well there's lots of humans that are living on earth and working on earth and jobs and they're here because they want to be present on earth because their energy is so high vibratory that those around them, it automatically pulls people up, right? So they're like uh, in the case of uh, Maurizio Cavallo, uh, who's in contact with the clarions. Um, uh, these clarions have been living on earth since uh, the 1980s. And they have a joint base with other fully conscious uh, races um, below the Amazon, right? So, um, sorry, a little indigestion there from my dinner. <laughs> but there are there are so many different races that are visiting here. There's a well more than eighty two. I only picked 82 because um, Paul Hellyer, the former Canadian Minister of Defense, at one point said that he knew of 82 races that were visiting Earth. 
Um, and so I decided, okay, well, I have to pick a number. So I'll pick that number. And uh, although that there are many more, I mean, I had to sort of pick and choose which ones I would leave out. And maybe, you know, if we get a almanac book too, uh, we can put them in there. Now, you write that the species fall into two categories. One, benevolent races, which function as the guardians of humanity, whose goals include helping people overcome duality, healing, and protection. And then the malevolent races, which are responsible for abductions, cloning, and ultimately domination. Uh, right. Now, to me, when I look at our planet as a whole, when I look at the work that I've been doing, interviewing abductees and contactees, when I look back at their stories, when you put everything together, you know, I, I, I often, you know, wonder if our planet is some sort of experiment and these different races have different uh, um, agendas or um, interests in this experiment Earth and um, what this is and, you know, what are the, the malevolent ETs doing and are the uh, benevolent ETs doing anything to prevent it? And how do they interact with that? I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, how that kind of works with our planet and how they interact with us. Sure. So the good news is, is the universe is primarily populated with benevolent extraterrestrials. So that's the good news. There are the factions of the negative races um that are there and they know how to manipulate universal or cosmic law so for instance on earth they're not allowed to come here and do anything unless they have permission right so way back uh in the days of eisenhower it is said that the grays not benevolent, but the benevolent ones went and and that um, and you have to remember this is when the military industrial complex was just getting up into gear and and what they wanted to do was take the power and move it over into their side to control the planet, right? So, he was forced to sign a treaty in exchange for our government allowing them to have land beneath the earth and that they would also set up shop in various underground bases that were military conjoined as well as them having their own, their own bases. Um, it is also said that they were allowed to abduct people to just check on their, um, their physical natures, right? Because they were curious and they were not supposed to harm any of them. But at one point when some saucer, they, they retrieved crash saucers of the greys, they found human and animal body parts, right? So they knew that they were not being truthful uh, and that their treaty meant nothing, but now they had agreed to have them here. So the benevolent ETs, there's nothing that they can do but watch and, and look for an infraction. And um, they can also counsel leaders Maybe they are. We don't know. Um, we know Valiant Thor was there counseling um, Eisenhower from 57 to 60. Check out our friends at Linguistity Gifts. Linguistity Gifts is a metaphysical store offering natural gemstone bead bracelets, signature and zodiac, designed and made in the United States, as well as raw and polished stones crystal balls, pendulums, tarot cards, natural crystal points, wands, and so much more. Their beautiful signature design bracelets can aid with creativity, balance, focus, and well-being. They can even customize the bracelets for you 
Just send them an email to find out pricing and availability. Visit their website using the link in the description or visit linguistitygifts.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your first order over $20. And right now they are offering $5 off the purchase of two or more bracelets. Linguistitygifts.com Right? Now, for those who who aren't familiar, it is an interesting story. Oh, Could right. you talk yeah. a little bit about Valiant Thor and the story behind that with Eisenhower um, and the culmination of that story? Yes. Um, so it's it's a long story, um, and people can check. Maybe check a synopsis, you know. I'll give you a synopsis, but it, while people are listening, if they want to, the website's stranger at the Pentagon.com and they can watch a short film there as well um, that I made. So Valiant Thor came with a, Valiant Thor is a created being. So he is like an angelic. He doesn't have a belly button. Uh, and he came with a design that would help to eliminate sickness, disease, poverty, and to prolong life, right? Now, this is in, he arrives in uh, March 16th, 1957, and he is uh, put on VIP status at the Pentagon for three years. And during this three years, they will go over and discuss this proposal and what Valiant Thor wants them to do is implement it throughout America and when proven successful, then to the rest of the world. So, so Valiant Thor is not only after his initial meeting with Eisenhower and Nixon, um, then he starts to meet with the Joint Chiefs, CIA, NSA, FBI, and all of that. And of course, they want his superior technology because they don't have this type of technology that he has, which is organic. And so long story short, he is there and they end up turning it down in the end. Um, Eisenhower and Nixon were for it, but the uh, military and uh, the rest of them turn it down because they say it would knock the it would knock the economy off its rocks, right? And it would turn everything upside down. And uh, doctors, nurses, pharmaceutical companies, everything would no longer exist. So, of course, it goes back to the main thing money and greed, right? So um, also bringing free energy and also talking to them about atomics, especially. That was the most um, talked about thing because first of all, when they started setting off these atomics in 47, that um, Valiant Thor had told Dr. Frank that they had taken a hundred ships and put them around the earth and actually had to sustain the fragile atmosphere because of the blast. And that not only are they disrupting life in this universe, but it's a rippling effect into the other dimensions and life in the other dimensions. So um, as we know, throughout all this time, from the time that Thor was here all the way to here, many, um, uh, craft from other worlds have gone to military bases and shut their nukes off to just show them that they can do that, right? Because they're not going to let them blow up the planet. So um, anyway, so Thor, so uh, Thor left on uh, March 16th, 1960, and he returned a year later. And um, Dr. Frank met him um, in December of 1959, uh, a few months before he left, and reconnected with him uh, in 1960. Uh, Dr. Frank was invited on board Victor One in 1967, and that's where he met his vice commanders. Uh, there's four of them, Vice Commander Don, Teal, Thon, and Zan. 
and he was given a tour of Victor One, which is a 300 foot in diameter craft that's double deckered. And um, it's quite spectacular. I have the blueprints. The actual blueprints are on the poster, which is on uh, the website. So, so it's a it's a real fascinating story. And um, Dr. Frank is no longer with us. He passed in 2008. So I'm sort of like the custodian of the story at this point, and um, we're gearing up and uh, all we're doing now is just trying to find the rest of the financing to make the feature film. Oh, that's going to be great. Oh, uh, it's going to be awesome. Wait, yeah, uh, look forward to that. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to these malevolent ETs, do you believe that they are, have been and possibly still are working with clandestine factions of our military industrial complex, governments, secret factions like that? I like, I do not know for a fact, but if my intuition says yes, other ufologists who are more involved in the field, I talk to them a lot and they say yes. So, because it's all about controlling this giant biosphere, because everything on it is a resource, not only to those in power, but to those malevolent forces, malevolent forces. I was thinking of malevolence, the movie, (laughs) malevolent. (laughs) Um, And... uh, and everything is a resource even we're a resource so tell us a little bit about um i guess maybe um each of the the races kind of a few of each of them starting with some of the more malevolent ones you mentioned the grays uh, uh of course They're... the reptilians are associated usually with the more malevolent ones uh, right which other malevolent races usually have interactions with with earth well, we've got definitely the draconians, um, which are which are the most uh, tyrannical and ruthless beings that are and out aren't there. Aren't those a, a type of reptilian? It thing? is. They are. Yeah, they are reptilian. Um, and mind you, there are many different classifications and and beings that are reptilian that all look different. And not every single one, they're, they're not all bad. There's lots of really good ones. It's the same thing with Earth people. It's like we've got good people and we've got, and we've got bad people. So it's a, um, um, it, it just sort of depends on, on what you're talking about. Well, we're just going to talk about the Draconians from Orion where the original Orion Wars came from and all of that. And they basically, um, they have a hybridization program where they take other aggressive races and then they create a new species that they can control. Right? So they may take a gray and a reptilian and maybe some dinosaurian DNA um, from like a raptor-like being and put it in there to make them uh, completely tyrannical, but that, that they can control them because they have, they, they have this telepathic hypnosis power that the greys have that where a lot of abductees, and I'm sure you, because you've interviewed so many, that when they look into your eyes, you're hypnotized, right? Um, so we, I call it telepathic hypnosis. Um, there's other strange, obscure beings like bat bulls that are really evil creatures and they're 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 short they're only like three to four feet they kind of waddle when they walk not many people have experienced things with them but they are the type that sort of hang in the background and they pick on 
they pick people who are into drugs, who are uh, do uh, a lot of drinking, um, that type of thing. People who are really hooked on cigarettes and things like that. If they find holes in their aura, they can get in and they can also sort of do this telepathic hypnosis and um, uh, they can implant thoughts into their head for them to do things. And then that is not against universal law, by the way. It's up to the individual if they do it. So that's why you hear so many people who are on drugs and things that say, uh, I was told to do it. Somebody made me do it, right? Well, somebody probably did. Some some dark entity probably got in there because they want to destroy what the creator created, right? So it's I mean it's just so fascinating. Just all of the all of the cases. I primarily um, I took about six or seven cases from Wendell Stevens. Wendell Stevens, um, he did, I think, about 65 books on contactee cases during his life. Um, his daughter, Cece, run, runs uh, his whole thing now since he's passed away. Um, and uh, she allowed me to use, um, I think I use about six or seven races because they were just fascinating stories and I included them. Uh, in the book, and I'll go over a few of those with you. But what's interesting is that people have forgotten about these books. Um, and she does have them on her website in a PDF form, ufophotoarchives.com. And I think you can buy like all 65 for a little over a hundred bucks. I mean, that's amazing. So I'm, I in particular, um, uh, I really loved learning about, um, uh, well, there's uh, what we call the regalians. They're a hybrid race. They sort of look like lizard people in a way. And there was a Cherokee girl, um, I think in the Carolinas. Uh, she was about, I think, 14. And she was having some kind of telepathic communication with them. And then one day they came and brought her on the, on the ship. And what they did is they hooked her up to this apparatus so that they could talk to her, right? And the being was hooked up to it as well. And, um, and because of this hookup, she was able to remember the entire time that she was on the ship because of the frequencies that made it store in her brain. So, so we get the whole story from her and, and they're, they're uh, benevolent beings and we're just curious about us and which I found fascinating. Some races are so curious about us. They'll say, we're going to go to earth for a thousand years. And we're going to study. So let's say if they set up a base, whether it's in the air, underground, wherever, what they want to do is they want to go as far as to understand who we are uh, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So they start a hybrid program. And then as each generation goes, they're able to sustain themselves on the planet more and more and more. And they're actually learning as us, right? Which I just find fascinating. So that is fascinating. Um, it is. I mean, there's so much, there's so much out there. What about the, uh, the insectoid or mantis type beings? I've heard different mm. um, takes on those. I've heard some that, said they get this loving type feeling or um, good communication from them. And I have some that have had some fear experiences. Some yes. that said that they've had kind of non-emotional, like they were just some type of scientists or, or you know, um, right. just there for right. some, some type of intellectual reason. Well, I was very lucky to come in contact with a mantis hybrid uh, who's living on Earth. 
I have talked to so many researchers and everybody and everyone would have a snippet of a mantis experience and they didn't understand it. And some, some people would say the same thing that they were in the background during an abduction or, or they felt uh, this immense love. Some were gigantic, the size of a football field. Some were normal size. Some were really tall. Um, primarily, they're uh, on their craft. They're more telepathic because they don't have real hands to use. Um, and um, but the um, hybrid, it was interesting, and she's writing a book about it, which I'm very happy about because I think a lot of people really want to understand it. But she said they have emotions, they're just not able to show it. So if you are an advanced being and telepathic, you will feel and understand their emotions when you interact with them. And that primarily um, they are loving and caring beings as well. And it, it started to make me wonder, so if, a, if maybe are they there facilitating to make sure the grays don't harm the person? Or is this a part of, I mean, there's so many scenarios you can get into of why somebody was abducted, right? I mean, I, I have talked to lots of abductees. I've seen them that have, um, I saw a guy they took on a ship and he came to my house. He was so terrified. He pulled his eyeballs up and he showed me they put an apparatus behind his ball, his eyeballs so that they could see everything he was seeing. And he showed it to me. Yeah, I mean, that was just unreal. Um, another person had, they ended up like two prongs were coming out of the roof of their mouth. They didn't like put whatever they were putting in correctly. Um, you know, uh, I've got a friend who's got a tracking device in his arm. You could take a magnet, move it all up and down his arm, right? And he doesn't want it taken out. Um, I knew Dr. Roger Lear, who took uh, removed them a lot, and um, and Dr. Lear said that they actually were some kind of um, homing device, but they put organic material around it so the body wouldn't reject it. Yes, right, is really fascinating. So, so yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, when it comes to the aspect of where these beings are coming from, um, there's, they have the argument uh, between the nuts and bolts researchers that are saying that they're strictly coming from different planets or different galaxies, and they don't look into the interdimensional or ultra-terrestrial aspect of it. Uh, I personally think it it's probably be a, a bit of both. Uh, I think that there is uh, another spectrum right outside of our, our vision there that these beings exist in uh, that could be teeming with life, that they can yes. interact with us uh, just through different you know dimensional aspects. What are your thoughts on that? Are, are there both? Are they also traveling from different planets and visiting with us? It depends on their spiritual awareness and how conscious they are. The, the more like real fully conscious beings, right? That are born a man and woman, we're not talking about created beings. They are able to move the crafts with thought. So some ships, they're, they're organic. They have their own personality. It could be a man, a woman, it jokes with you. Um, it it will not let a visitor into a certain section of the ship. Uh, all different types of things like that. Um, but whoever is driving the, the craft will sometimes wear a headgear that is put on their temples. And then they can direct it and focus their thoughts. 
and basically it's called a thought jump. So they're in the field that they're in now, and then through thought, they telepathically use the um, resonation coordinates to where they want to go, and boom, they're there in the next instant. So if we have like the early grays that were traveling and crashing, they were not spiritually minded, they were scientifically minded. So their crafts probably came um, uh, through different, I, I don't know how long it would have taken them to get here, but most of them are from Orion, Zeta Reticuli, um, and the surrounding, um, uh, you know, constellations. Um, so, but their crafts were still relatively, even though they were very advanced to us when, when they got them and reverse engineered them, that they weren't smart enough that a reason why all those um, uh, ships crashed during the time of Roswell, I think there were seven or eight of them, is because of the radar that was set up at Los Alamos to protect the whole area. And it interfered with their uh, navigational systems and they crashed. So, and we know that they had at least one that was alive for quite some time. And uh, Clifford Stone, have you ever had Clifford on your show? No, I haven't yet. Oh my God, you got to get Clifford Stone on your show. He's awesome. I mean, he used to interface with the being, right? Because he, the being liked him and he could understand what the being want, wanted and could have these telepathic conversations. So, um, and there's, uh, I think, a couple other people that, that uh, did that as well. So we know um, uh, Hall with the tall whites did, with grays and with the tall right, uh, whites. And um, I know there was one other person, I can't think of his name, that, that I know of. Now, speaking so. of communication with these beings, um, it seems that through... Um, when we look at our ancient past, you know, pre-flood, uh, uh, pre-Babylonian, um, uh, early pre-dynastic Egyptian, that there were contact, that there was open contact and communication with otherworldly entities, and it was an accepted and normal thing. Um, do you think that that was the case, that during those times that we were communicating and they were walking amongst us and we just knew that from the stars as above, so below, that that's the way it was and this is yeah. the way the universe worked. Yes, I mean, it is, it is evident. Um, in, uh, in the Aztec, uh, I have a friend, they did lots of, um, the Aztecs did lots of drawings on rocks, like this, this size, this size, this size, and they would literally draw the greys, right? And they would draw their ships and they would, um, they would carve it into it. And uh, I met a collector who had over a hundred of these rocks from which these were done. We see ships that are in Egyptian hieroglyphics. Um, like I said in the book, uh, the Syrian race, right? That looks very similar to Akhenaten is we do know that ETs can come in and they can inject the embryo with extraterrestrial DNA to give it an upgrade. Why did Akhenaten look like an extraterrestrial and everyone else looked normal? So right. it always I mean, made me wonder. The, um, a lot of these uh, depictions of pharaohs, they had the elongated skulls mm -hmm. and different, you know, morphology and biology than a lot of the norm, the other normal morphology. They did. People. They did. And, and in Peru, in Cusco, in their um, museum there, which is not far off from Machu Picchu, they have um, elongated skulls that are this long 
right? And whether they are from the, I think they called it craning, where they would stick these blocks to yeah, make the cradle, it go the longer. Cradle boarding, yeah, yeah. Right, that kind of thing. Or if they actually were extraterrestrial. Um, oh yeah, they did the so testing and they know. were able to tell that that was naturally formed and the, the base of the spine yeah. was in a different place as well. That was Really? Not, yes. The, wow, that's that great. Not, uh, where normal, a normal human being would have that. Have it, uh, yeah. I don't know what that piece is called, but it's at the base of the spine. It was in a completely yeah. different location, which adds to it as long as well as the DNA results, which are, uh, which are still yes. kind of inconclusive on the paternal side, which is also interesting. Right, right. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on what's going on right now with our mainstream media, the UFO craze, all of a sudden, you know, 2020 is the year of UFO talk uh, from our mainstream media. Uh, of course, I don't trust our government talking about UFOs. I don't trust the information that that's coming from our media anyway. But why now? And what's the purpose? Uh, there has to be an agenda if, if it's coming from our media, if it's coming from our government. Um, and it seems to be being kind of rolled out in a, in a specific type of way that these could possibly be a threat. Um, you know, they have the, um, the new Israeli uh, former space officer that would, did, just came out and said that there's a federation now. So right. do you think we're being prepped for something that is in the future, or do you think that we're being prepped for something that could be fakery or more malevolent? Uh, what are your thoughts on modern ufology and what's in the mainstream right now? Well, I, I think both sides are doing this. It's sort of a struggle because the, the powers that be want us to think it's a threat. Because if it's a threat, then they have to protect us. And again, we are under their thumb, right? The rest of the universe are totally sovereign beings. We are not sovereign here. We are all manipulated into doing our daily routines, right? Drugs are prevalent. Those are still being shoved in through society to dog you down. There's DNA manipulation. Um, the, one, the one thing that a lot of people don't know is that their DNA is their connection to the creator. And that DNA is a recording device. And when you leave with your soul, that DNA is what helps you to ascend into the, the next worlds that are better and brighter than this one, right? So, so what they want to do is keep that DNA suppressed. So that's why there's lots of talk that there's DNA suppression and um, uh, things that they give you like vaccines and all of that to dumb you down. Really what's in chemtrails? We don't know, right? So, so really all we can do is make choices. We know that there are the benevolent extraterrestrials, master teachers, angelic community that are here in full force. This is a world that is definitely going into a transformation for the better. So this is the last in struggle and it is definitely going in to the light and every being here will transform. Well, that's, I think, a good uh, topic to end on because right now, you know, that it doesn't seem that way for most people. Most people right. are living in chaos and a lot of fear losing their jobs, losing hope, you know, kind of just not having a good experience in life because of what's going on. But on the other hand, there is this, uh, there's a good thing coming out of this. A lot of people are awakening to some of the things that have been hidden from them their whole lives, some of the yes. corruption that's been going on right under their noses. And right. they're becoming more open to the idea of this, 
the metaphysical, UFOs, spirituality, I see that happening as well. So there's this double-edged thing kind of going on, and it seems like it's going to eventually come to a head. um, And we're probably going to see some some tough times ahead. But I'd like to agree with you that we will eventually come out of this um, at a better place as humans, um, more evolved. And do you think that we would possibly have open communication and it'll just be a normal thing once again that, yeah, we're talking to these guys again. We definitely will have open communication. Um, in, in the book, one of the hybrid races are called the seventh ray race. And so the star seeds that have been coming and incarnating here on this planet for, many, many years, um, part of their contract is um, to lend their DNA to the uh, what, what, what I call the Galactarian Alignment of Space Peoples and Planets. And what they do then is there's a breeding program with extraterrestrial DNA, human, and then the Earth DNA, and then these children are brought up, they are taught how to reconnect their whole 12 chakra system to become fully conscious as they're growing up. And then they are taught what place they will be put on on the planet when the planet goes into transformation. So those who are left here, they will then come and be the teachers to teach communities about the universe. And then the people who are here will teach them about this. And therefore fear is wiped away because they are part us and part them. Right. So it's, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. I think fear is the the biggest thing that's holding us back right now. And intentionally being spread, unfortunately. Yeah. But if people were to see one of these beings and experience them, it would all be wiped away because all they'd see and feel is love. That's how you tell the difference. If you look at something and you're terrified of it, run. Right. Yeah. If it's all about love and you're just feeling it, then then see what it's all about and see what, what learning you can gain from that. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, just yeah. from my own experience because of the uh, the feelings of love that I felt. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Before you head out, tell everybody if they're interested in reading your books, uh, watching your film, sure. finding out more information about you, where they can do so. Uh, everyone can go to Stranger at the Pentagon and watch the short film there. I also have all the remaining... Um, books of Dr. Frank, Stranger at the Pentagon, Millennium 7, uh, UFO Conspiracy, and Outwitting Tomorrow that Valiant Thor was a uh, advisor on as well. And plus posters and all kinds of fun and t-shirts and that kind of stuff because people have begged me for them over the years. So they're available there. And then um, if you want to get the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga book series, that's autobiography of unanet.com. And you can also on that same website get the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac by clicking on other books and then uh, all the books on the website, I autograph and sign uh, to everybody. So if you awesome. want to get them, you can get them there. So that's really awesome. I love doing yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, that was great information, Craig. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, there's so much more we could talk about. I'd love to have you back on sometime soon. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, until next time, everyone else, you have an excellent evening. Are you ready to live a more free healthy and abundant life? Transform your yard into a food forest and create a system for self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant and you can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging and learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. 
They can help you get off grid and learn what systems to employ for food, water, and energy self-reliance, and live abundantly and in full connection with your property and what you produce. Click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest and have your own sustainable source of livelihood and become self-sufficient with food forest abundance. Just click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest today.